If you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn to 1 Peter chapter number 3. We're going to kind of slow it down here for a few minutes. I know you probably don't believe that when I get a hold of a microphone, but there's just some times that you need to slow it down for the sake of understanding. But we are going to talk about some very, very important things here for a few moments today. Um, don't forget, on Tuesday night is midweek Bible study right here at 7 p.m. And then all of the younger men have their armor bearers class. And we'll look forward to seeing you then as well. All right, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 20. Which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Now, admittedly, this is a difficult or a challenging passage of Scripture. But so that I don't, I don't get off what we need to talk about, I, I jumped in right there in verse 20. But look at that very, very last six words. Eight souls were saved by water in reference to Noah and his family. Look at verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. I'm saying that for a reason because there's an extremely powerful connection here between what's being described in eight souls saved by water whereby even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Now, Peter is saying that because of his understanding of washings and all of the ritualism of the Old Testament. But the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that Baptism is tied somewhat there by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'll explain more about that here in a few minutes. So I, wanna, I want to title this with a question. Is water baptism necessary? Is water baptism necessary? We've already praised the Lord a lot here this morning, but I wonder if we could put our Bibles down and let's pray together in the next several moments. I want us to pray. I want us to pray that there is an understanding, that there is an understanding that is communicated. So let's pray together. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we pray for the spirit of wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of him to bypass all of the concerns and all the things that we walk into this building with. I pray for the next several moments that the Word of God can bring a comprehension and understanding of the importance of the things that are found in the Word of God. Won't fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I am not necessarily asking that question rhetorically. It is to us that have experienced New Testament salvation that would be a rhetorical question. But I'm asking that in the face of 
so much misinformation and disinformation that is so prevalent in our world today. Um, depending on people's backgrounds, if you were to pose that question to all of those that do visit our congregation, you would get a multiplicity of responses. And the reason for that is, is because there is, as I've already mentioned, there is a plethora, a multitude of misinformation and disinformation that is in our world today. According to the word of God, the evidence is clear, it is plain, it is obvious. But it is only clear, plain, and obvious if you understand how to rightly divide the word of truth. Of course, that scripture is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means to clearly be able to make distinctions, to qualify, to understand, and to apply. So it's not enough just to say, well, you know, I read the Bible, and I'm, I'm not minimizing that. If you read the Bible in the 21st century, we, we congratulate that. In fact, if you go to church anywhere on a Sunday, for, we congratulate that because of the condition of our culture. But there's a lot of people that don't go to church that are living on the misinformation of sound bites, of stuff that's readily available on the Internet, and so with that as a backdrop, we have a continual responsibility to rightly divide the word of truth for human beings to experience what Jesus Christ has made available to them. And somebody said amen. Some of the historical and even modern arguments surrounding baptism have become part and parcel of what we would call mainline, either denominational, but more likely non-denominational theology. And I'm not here to throw stones. Don't, uh, let me disarm you. I'm not here to hurt anybody or to, to throw spears at anybody. But I have to start somewhere so that we can make a difference. You know, the Bible said rightly dividing. We have to be able to show a contrast to show a difference so that you can understand what the Word of God is telling us. But baptism and thoughts about baptism have gone through as much of a process over the last 1,600, 1,700 years as a multitude of other doctrines that are being espoused in our world today. For example, the word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizio, which means to immerse. That means, that means to fully pull it, put under water. When you immerse something, you put it under water. Okay? But then there were doctrines that emerged that said that pouring, while an individual is literally standing there, that it would also be satisfactory and became common practice to pour water over the head of somebody. And then it became practice to where, you know, immersion was too much work, and now pouring seems like it might get messy. Let's just sprinkle somebody, like a child. And so the practice and the mode of baptism has morphed just as much as the mode of what was called over a person has morphed. So it went from immersion, at least the first 300 years, and then it went to pouring, and then it went to sprinkling, until today, there are many people that visit this, visit this church from time to time that say that 
baptism is not even required for salvation because salvation is based on some other things. So I am here today as not as a scholar, but as a teacher. And to bring the word of God to you in such a way that it is orderly, that it is rightly divided, and it is presented to you as truth. And somebody said, amen. First of all, let's look at several scriptures that connect salvation with baptism. We already read in 1 Peter chapter number 3. Could you put that back up there, Brother Tristan? Okay. Now he's talking about which sometime were disobedient once once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Everybody said Noah. Everybody said Noah was saved by water. The like figure or example whereunto even baptism doth now also save us. The point is, is that being saved is tied to water. Now, I want to tell you, I don't care how many degrees a person has, and I am not in any way minimizing the discipline required to get a degree. But if you end up with a degree that goes against the Word of God, I'm standing with the Word of God, not a degree. That's part of the problem that we're in today is that intellectualism and philosophy has been integrated into the church over the last 16, 1700 years at various junctures to the point that the plain word of God does not mean what it says and does not says what it means. I'm telling you that God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Salvation is tied to water. It's undeniable in 1 Peter chapter number 3 that water is tied to being saved. Let's look at Mark chapter number 16. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now, we're starting in this verse so we can get some context. Go back to the verse before. Here Jesus is appearing to the 11 disciples after his resurrection, and this is commonly theologically known as the Great Commission. It's where he is commissioning his disciples, soon to be apostles, of what their purpose is to be after he ascends to heaven. Okay, next verse, please. And Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. There are other scriptures, but we wanted to get this reference out there initially because they absolutely connect water baptism to being saved. Oh, let's clap our hands. Somebody wants to clap. Now, right about here is where somebody would say, okay, what about the thief on the cross? I'm glad you asked. Um, in preparation for this, I already, not that I'm a know-it-all, but I basically had enough of a working knowledge of this and a grasp of this because I've handled this for many, many years now that I really didn't even need to do this. But I wanted to get online and see just what is out there in internet land about what is being said about baptism. And I was amazed to find out how many quote-unquote biblical scholars brought up the thief on the cross. You may remember the thief on the cross and he looks at Jesus and said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, this day thou will be with me in paradise. You remember that scripture? Okay, well, there are actual biblical scholars that are saying that is an example of somebody that doesn't need to be baptized. But that is before Jesus said, it is finished. Oh, no, I want you all to get this today because this is... 
Here, we're disassembling part of the misunderstandings and the misinformation in our world is that that was before Jesus said it is finished and then gave up the ghost. When Jesus says it is finished, that put an end to the Old Testament. Therefore, the thief on the cross was not in the New Testament. You have to get that because if we're swept into this, all this misinformation that is in our world today that has been manufactured, it has been regurgitated and told over and over and with every generation it waters down, it's, it's tweakable, it's changeable. I want to tell you, this is not changeable. This is ironclad. This is part of the, come on somebody, this is part of the cornerstone. This is foundational. And so both 1 Peter chapter 3 and Mark chapter number 16 equate baptism with salvation. Secondly, what did Jesus say about baptism? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 28. Now this is a comparable scripture to the one that we just quoted in the book of Mark chapter number 16. They're both uh, a harmony of the gospel there where it's the exact same instance that's being recorded. Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 16. Notice that Jesus starts out addressing the 11. This is after his resurrection. Judas has already hung himself. So now there's 11 disciples and Jesus is now speaking to them, giving them the great, what is called the great commission. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, that word power there is not dunamis, it's exousia, which means authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth, which is one of the reasons why you know now why Satan wanted to tamper with baptism. It's because he, he wanted to change the authority level that the church had. But I got news for him. It ain't working around here. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Next verse. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Now in Mark's account, he said, preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus here in Matthew chapter 28, it is being recorded that he said, teach. But baptism is here just like Mark. He said, baptizing them in the name. And according to Acts chapter 4, verse number 12, there's only one name. There's no other name under heaven given among men where we must be saved. And so the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Somebody said amen. So Jesus put baptism as part of the preaching of the gospel or teaching and making disciples. I want to tell you, there is nobody that has the authority to tamper with those words. There is nobody in this world. I don't care. And, and here I'm not, trying to be, I'm not trying to be unkind, but I'm trying to be real. It doesn't matter how much you, you, you love a pastor or you, you loved a particular church or you were raised this way or raised that way. Listen, this is, this, is, this is above and beyond all that. Listen, I understand loving where you were raised and I understand loving your family and I understand, I understand all that and I respect that. But when it comes to the word of God, everything has to bow. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. Nothing it's more important than the word of God in Jesus' name. And this is critically, 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 because it deals with ultimate concern. It's far more important than any other relationship, any other factor in life. Let's lift our hands and give him praise right now. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and understanding to be at work here today. Every human being, even people that are watching this on live stream, that say, hey, I'm going to make sure I call somebody up and have them watch this today. It's a perfect time to do that in Jesus' name. Let's go to John chapter number 3. 
famous passage of scripture. How many of you love John chapter three? Well, I think we forget that this is a sequential aspect of scripture and the context of this is that Jesus is having a conversation with a religious leader by the name of Nicodemus. It starts out in John chapter three, verse number one. However, most of our denominational world goes right to verse 16. Is it too late, Brother Tristan, for you to put verse number 16 up there just so we can, we can make a distinction or a difference here today? John chapter three, verse number 16, is the most quoted scripture in the entire, entire Bible in our culture. And it goes like this. And I love this scripture. I love this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I believe that scripture. I think the whole world should believe in Jesus. But belief in Jesus doesn't save you. You gotta obey what Jesus said to do. See, what Jesus is doing here in this conversation, because in verse number nine, Nicodemus asked Jesus and said, how can these things be? So Jesus begins a discourse of showing the bigger panoramic picture of salvation to Nicodemus. But that's not to take the place of what Jesus told us to do. So my point for bringing all this up is we're, we're having the same conversation with a religious leader. Whether it's verse number 16, or for that matter, the very end, which is verse number 20, as he's having in verses one through eight. So let's go to verse number three, because this is where it really applies to what we're talking about here today. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said unto him, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except, everybody said except. That word is talking about something that is now conditional. And see, this is probably a great place to talk about this, is that you and I are living in a world where nobody wants to be left out, okay? I mean, you know, we're, we're in a rejected culture, and all of the phobias and all the compulsions and all the habits and all the addictions, most of them can be rooted to a wound of rejection. But... So what's happened with denominational religious leaders is that they, don't, they want to become more inclusive, not exclusive. And so by becoming more inclusive, they remove accept. We don't want to leave anybody out. But Jesus is talking to a religious leader, not trying to marginalize him and not trying to offend him, but trying to get him to obey truth. And so he says, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Thank you, Brother Kifley, for that great message you preached several weeks ago about that. Okay, Nicodemus is listening intently. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he go back up into his mother's womb? Of course, that's a physical impossibility. Look at verse number five. Jesus answered, verily, verily, of a truth, of a truth, I say unto thee, except. Everybody said except. except. Say it a little loud. Except. I'm almost 68. I'm hard of hearing. One more time. Except. Just one more time so the devil can hear it. Except. One more time so people on the job can hear it. Except. One more time so some philosophy major can hear it. One more time so a college professor can hear it. Yeah. One more time so everybody in this world can hear it. Yeah. That felt pretty good. A man be born of water and spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There is no preacher, no philosopher, no reformationist, no notable figure that had less of an education and a religious background than our new converts that are sitting in this building today has the authority, the influence, the power to change God's word. It's still except a man be born 
of water and spirit. But ladies and gentlemen, it's available. It's available. It's available. Let's clap our hands and give God all the praise. It's available. It's available to the mayor. It's available to the sheriff. It's available to the homeless camp over on I-90. It's available to everybody. Now, that's what Jesus had to say about baptism. Thirdly, and potentially most importantly, because this is the fulcrum, what I want to talk about right now, is that the reality of it is, is that most people don't understand what baptism does. What does it mean? As I was letting my formerly nicotine and pot stained fingers type the keypad on my computer, I was amazed by how many degreed doctors, THD, D men, doctor of theology, Doctorate of Ministry, on and on and on and on. Believe that baptism is a sign of joining the community of Christ. And I thought, I thought these guys had a degree in theology. It's just obvious. Because there's teaching in the New Testament to a church, churches that had already experienced Jesus' name baptism. In fact, every single church that's addressed in your Bible and in my Bible had already experienced the apostles' doctrine. And the apostles' doctrine preached the gospel to every creature in Mark chapter 16 and taught, according to Matthew chapter 28, but they taught the exact same thing. And so you didn't have one church over here that just accepted Jesus as their Savior and another church over here that had been baptized. There was only one gospel. There was only one gospel. There was only one gospel. If any man or any angel come preaching, any other, come on somebody, any other gospel. We're not here to put people down. We're not here to be ugly. But I'm going to tell you, when you get the real thing, you get real power. You get real authority. You've got real power to change. You've got power to flip off the Internet. You've got power to get off social media. You've got the power to come out of your filthy habits. You've got power to walk away from sin. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Is there anybody that's felt that power? Let's clap our hands and lift our voice and give him praise. Romans chapter 6, what does baptism actually do? One of the most thunderous books in the entirety of the New Testament is the book of Romans. Let's start in verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That is a rhetorical question. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not, know ye not, don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Now, I mean, we could all shout over that, and I could probably take a lap or half a lap. Actually, about to right there. I walked the rest. This is a theological explanation of what baptism does. Someone says, well, why should I be baptized, you know? Is it joining me to the church? Is it affirming my faith? Is it an outward demonstration of I'm a believer? No. 
It is literally uniting you with the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. The largest Christian movement historically in the world still has Jesus on a cross. The religious symbolism that they wear around their neck or it's in their, and I, here again, I'm not throwing stones, but we have to make a distinction so that you can understand what I'm saying. They still have Jesus on the cross. Jesus is not on the cross. Jesus is living right here. Jesus is in this room today. <laughs> Know ye not, don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Next verse, please. Therefore, everybody said therefore. Here he's, 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 he's given you a greater, he's, he's given you an understanding. Someone said, I don't know why I gotta be baptized. Well, here it is. We are buried with Jesus by baptism. Okay, Jesus died on the cross, right? They buried him in a tomb, right? But he rose again, right? So what baptism is doing so that I don't have to die, I don't have to physically be buried, but I'm gonna obey the gospel that is telling me that if I get baptized, it's not just joining the church, it's being united with what Jesus Christ did over 2,000 years ago. It's not religious symbolism, it's not fuddy-duddy, it's not grandma's religion, it is the only word of God. There is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism. There is one Lord. And there's only one gospel. Clap your hands and give him praise. It does not matter what your background is. Jesus will take you today. It does not matter what you've done. Jesus will accept you today. It doesn't matter where you were last night. Jesus will accept you today. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, who you've been running with. Jesus will take you today. Very, very easy to understand scripture. But this scripture does not fit the misinformation that says, all I need to do is accept Jesus as my personal savior. So we have a responsibility not to throw people under the bus, not to be rude and ugly but to tell the truth, proclaim the truth, preach the truth, teach the truth, so that people can see. Let's go back to verse number four and read the rest of that scripture. Therefore we are buried with Jesus. I'm gonna put Jesus there instead of him. We are buried with Jesus by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up. Now we're talking about the resurrection. Remember in 1 Peter chapter three, it said, which is like the resurrection. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, we talking about people that have been baptized. Not just people that say, well, I, I want to know Christ. Or I've been reading my Bible at home and, I, and, and he knows my heart. And, and not, No, no, no. Everybody's got to obey this. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter if it's the President of the United States. Come on, somebody. Oh, don't talk about the President. Listen, Joe Biden needs help. He needs the Holy Ghost. LeBron James needs Acts 238. Joe Biden needs Acts 238. Congress needs to be born again. 
The president needs to be born again. Everybody in our world has got to go down the same way. Because if you don't go down the same way, you're not going to come up the same way. Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. Woo! Hallelujah. If we are buried with him by baptism, listen to what it says because it's, there's more to the story. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Go to verse number five if you can. I'm sorry, just throwing you a curveball there. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in this likeness of his resurrection. Let's clap our hands. That's why baptism is tied to salvation. Now, maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't really understand all this. I understand that. But I wouldn't go another day not being born again. Oh, you know, I'm all right, Pat. No, you're not all right. That's the whole reason why the church is still here. None of us are all right without God. What you're really saying is, is I got enough money to put some money, it's food in the refrigerator, and I can keep the lights on, and I can keep uh, the rising price of gas in my car, and life is as it is, there's no disruptions, everything's okay, I'm all right. No, you're not. The Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we need a Savior, and I am here to tell you that there is a God that loves you, there's a God that's watched you, there's a God that knows you, there's a God that led you here today, there's there's a God that's watched you every day of your life. And there's a God that sent me to this place today to try to tell you that God is saying, if you'll make a move, I'll make a move. Clap your hands and give God the praise. That's what baptism does. It unites you with the death, burial, and resurrection. Colossians chapter number two. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, some of these actually need more time to do them justice. So I'm just gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the meaning of this and we're gonna be able to move on. Circumcision was the basis of a covenant in the Old Testament. Okay? A baby, a newborn baby is, is circumcised, and on the eighth day, he's circumcised, circumcised, and they gave him his name. That's what the Jews did. But this is talking about a circumcision without hands. So what this is talking about is that when we are baptized, God performs a circumcision of the human heart. There's some people that have lived their entire life and you've been subjected to abuse, misuse, all kinds of other things, and your heart is maybe hard, maybe it, you've got some wounds, maybe whatever. The condition of the human heart is vastly different after an individual is baptized in Jesus' name because God performs a supernatural circumcision of the human heart. Let's go to the next verse. Buried with him in baptism. Who in this world could ever say that you can be saved without being baptized. Wherein also ye are risen with him. We're buried with him. Remember it said that in Romans chapter six? Buried with him 
Now we are risen with him, resurrection, through faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. It's very clear. It's very clear. It's very clear. In fact, at this juncture right here, let's lift our hands. God, I'm asking you to help somebody here today. What we take for granted is apostolic, Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-led people. Sometimes we take that for granted, but there's people here today, God, I'm praying that truth will come in. Truth will come in. Truth will show them that baptism is a burial. Baptism performs a circumcision, and baptism does something that nothing else can do. God is working when a person is baptized. You say, well, no, I'm just getting wet. No, 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 no. There's something that takes place in the supernatural in baptism. I remember, I remember almost 30, 40 years ago, an ex-drug addict, alcoholic, just do anything, anywhere kind of a person. I obeyed the gospel by being baptized in Jesus' name. I came out of that so clean. My conscience was clean. My conscience, I felt, I felt squeaky clean. Everything looked different. Everything appeared different. There was a smile on my face. It was the first time in my life that my conscience had been cleaned and cleared by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a supernatural work that takes place in baptism. All right, I see all that. So what did the apostles preach? Okay, there were told to preach to every creature. They were told to teach all the world. What did the apostles preach to the churches that were started? Romans, Corinth, Galatia, Philippi, Colossa, Thessalonica. How did all those churches start? Corinth, Ephesus. What message were they taught or preached Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse number 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that that God, that God had made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, this has incredible significance contextually to the Jews and their rejection of Jesus Christ. Verse number 37 when they heard this, they were pricked, they were convicted in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Okay, what do we do? How do we make this right? Look at verse number 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. No asking the Lord in your heart. No sinner's prayer. No, we'll do a baptism in three months because we do it once a quarter here as, as our denominational denomination dictates. We won't do it today. Honey, we will baptize you. We are open 24-7. This church, we need a neon light out there that just flashes open. Like Krispy Kreme donuts. Open, open, open. I've heard stories of people waking up in the middle of the night after God gives them a dream, calling the pastor, can I get baptized at night? And there they are. The church is open, and we're there to baptize you. Why? Because we understand not just the significance, but the importance of what this represents. The importance of what this represents. The devil might have chased you into this building, but he can't get through the water. The devil might have haunted you last night, but the devil can't get through that water. Let's clap our hands right now and give Jesus the praise. You that have been baptized, you that have the victory, you that understand the power, you that understand the truth, let's give God praise right now. The apostle Peter, on the day of Pentecost, go back to verse number 38, please. Then Peter said unto them, thousands of Jews were there for the feast of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized. He's looking out cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. 
They just came out of the upper room. There were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews. In fact, Judaism had already been subjected to this incredible dysphoria all over the world, but they still obeyed the word of God and making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. There were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands that were there. And he preached. And there were 3,000 that were baptized as a result of his preaching. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Now, this is the first message. You know, our world wants it both ways. You know, when you start closing down on them, they go, well, you know, the didact, you know, they kind of scratch their chin. You know, Philip Schaff. Why would I go back and listen to a reformer? You know, John Calvin, they always scratch their face or rub their chin. You know, Martin Luther, uh, and I'm not being, Martin Luther was, that's another story, but you know what I'm saying. You know, the Wesley brothers, uh, you know, John Knox, Zwingli, Swedenborg. They always go to some champion of the Reformation. You know, Joel Osteen. They always go to some obscure example. God is only going to back up the word. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is anybody here ever done that? Is everybody here regret ever doing that? Is everybody here, anybody here sorry that you did that? Is anybody here found out that that's not true? I'm here to tell you this building is full of witnesses that have obeyed the word of God and understand its power. Clap your hands and give him praise. All right, you may be seated. Acts chapter 8, verse number 12. But when they believe, this is at Samaria. This is on the outskirts. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. This is how the, this is how the church started, that your entire Bible, your entire New Testament, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, they were all, 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 all. Well, I want to get what they had in the Bible. You got to obey what they were, were preached. Yeah, I, I want the same thing that they had. You got to do what they did. If you'll obey the same message, you're going to get the same thing that they got. The problem with a lot of people today, you got to have a program, you got to have Christian entertainment, you got to have a good contemporary Christian music program, you got to have something special for the kids, you got to have something that's contemporary. Listen, we don't need nothing contemporary. I need the old gospel, I need the original gospel, I need to go back and. If you'll get the real gospel, you'll get the real power. And once you get the real power, you're going to say what I said Where have I been for 30 years? Where have I been all my life? Well, pastor, let us think about that. You're not convinced. I don't take it personal. I've been doing this a long time. And I don't take it personal. But there is no doctrine. There is no denominational statement of faith. No non-denominational article of faith that can stand against the apostles' doctrine, none, none. You might hear a lot of hum humanistic reasoning. Pastor, I, I, I can't obey that because 
that will make me question what my grandmother, and she was a godly woman. I'm, listen, listen, I'm not here to, to touch any of that because that, that's, that's, that, that's reverential to you, and I, and I want to revere that. I, I understand that. I understand that. But that should not trump, and that's the only trump we're talking about today. <laughs> Nothing is greater than the word of God. I'm going to tell you what, if my wife, my beautiful, gorgeous, one-of-a-kind wife was to turn around tomorrow and make a decision that I'm not going to live for God and I don't want to be married, I am not leaving the church. If my children make up their mind and say, I'm going to go into the world, I don't believe this is what, whatever, I am not leaving this. I'm not leaving this for nobody. I want to see him. I want to walk with him. I I want to see him. I want to love him. Somebody clap your hands. I want to see Abram of old. I want to see David. I want to see all of them. We'll all be gathered together. Verse number 15. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Samaria was baptized in Jesus' name. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, verse number 44. All these stories need a lot more. I'd love to sit down and give you a Bible study and talk about all these because they all have merit. There's an incredible story behind every one of these scriptures. But I'm just trying to make the point that baptism is all the way through the book of Acts. Baptism is all the way through the word of God. Nobody, no man, nowhere at any time has the authority to change and tamper with this gospel. There are people's eternity at stake, and that's really what this is about, is the God of this world has blinded them. Lest they should believe. Before that, he said, if our gospel is hid, that's why I prayed for understanding because the devil, when he thinks you're coming to this church, he does something to the human mind. Because I remember, I was sitting 35 years ago. I was sitting right about where Brother Reggie is in a church on a folding metal chair in Sacramento, California. And the devil was sitting on my shoulder said, if you believe this gospel, you're never going to be able to fornicate again, do drugs again. You're going to have to give all this up. And he was totally talking to my flesh. He was, because I was a lover of pleasure. I was, I was intoxicated with being a lover of pleasure. And he was talking. While the preacher was talking, he was talking. The only difference, the thing the devil didn't know is I was tired of that. I was tired of waking up with a hangover. I was tired of going to bed empty. I was tired of being miserable. I was tired. What the devil doesn't understand, you go ahead and take over Hollywood, but you're producing people that are tired of the devil's lives. They're tired of going to church empty. They're tired of being bored again. Clap your hands and give God. the glory come on saint of God I need you to lift your voice like a trumpet and let your visitor know you got it you got it like God gave it man the last two or three Sundays I don't know every 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 Sunday man I just I wake up with such an excitement every Sunday now because it's a party. Hey, the devil, the devil ain't got the best party hounds. Oh, he's got them. I used to be one of them. You know those old-fashioned keg parties? Dude, I parked right by that keg until they had to carry me away from the thing. Have a lampshade on my head. Snorting line six feet long. Well, that's probably a stretch. No, I'm just telling you what I used to do. Party hound. Party hound. Party hound. You know why your pastor acts like that up there? Because I'm saying, devil, I got something you could never give, and you ain't ever taken away. 
It's better than cocaine. It's better than fentanyl. It's better than alcohol. It's better than fornication. It's better than anything in this world. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody lift your voice. It's party time. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. Well, everything's just fine, Pastor. That's because you got, you got just enough money to keep you where you're at. And that's your, that's your definition of being fine. And I understand that because I used to be like that. That's why I used to rob, steal, cheat. Let's lift our hands. Man, that's what makes Cornerstone different. There's a Holy Ghost party going on in here. People are not here for another religious session. People are not here just to say, well, I went to church today. No, 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 no. It's an interaction. It's a relationship. It's it's a glory. Brother Oswald? You had no idea what I was going to talk about today. I remember when you first came into this church. I thought, okay, this dude's going to try to get the girl. Not till God got you. I want to tell you, you guys that are here to get a girlfriend. Oh, it's quiet. My, 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 my. You're looking around, you're saying, well, that one looks pretty good, and that one, yeah, 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 yeah. But you got to get good. You got to get God to get good. And you got to get God to get the girl. If you can get the girl without God, then the girl needs to get good. Go ahead and clap your hands. I, don't want, I better quit meddling. I'm going to be here all day. Man, I walked into an apostolic church. I said, man, where these people been for 500 years? Looked like they all just walked off the Mayflower. I never seen women with uncut hair, long dresses. I said, where these guys been hiding? I'm hanging around with a bunch of stuff that looks like it just came out of a tumble cycle in a, in a bad dryer. Hair sticking way up here, matted, not even combed for days, sticking way out here off the side of my head. And I walked into an apostolic church. I said, I ain't never seen this before. But when I got baptized and I got the Holy Ghost, I was leading the pack. Before that drummer even got to the drums, I took off running, and I didn't run till they said, let's be seated. Because it was the first time in my life I ever felt a love that was from another world that would never reject me, that would never leave me, that would never forsake me. Come on, somebody. I've never felt pure before. I never felt washed before. I never felt clean before. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. So I'm just like you. I didn't understand this. My grandfather was a United Methodist preacher. Brother Marks and I on the airplane yesterday, uh, I was in a, I was in a, um, a store over in Coeur d'Alene a couple months ago. And as I was walking through, there's all these little booths in this store, like a marketplace kind of a place. And there was a book there that said, Who's Who in America? I grabbed that book, and I went to my, my grandfather's name. Boom. My grandfather was in there. I took a picture of that. showed it to Brother Marks yesterday on the airplane. He was the assistant to the president, Pacific School of Religion in Berkeley, California. He was the director of the Red Cross in East Bay. He was the chaplain for the Amis Temple, which was a Shriners organization. It just went on and 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 on. But he didn't have truth. In fact, after I'd got baptized and cut my hair and got full of the Holy Ghost and got a job, 
Instead of my family saying, what happened to you? They said, hmm, sounds like a cult to me. Here I was, I had bleach white hair stuck way up like this, halfway down my back, earrings everywhere, go-go boots, alcoholic, drug addict, dropout, drop acid. Anytime, anywhere, any place with anybody. Just kind of a just kind of a the black sheep of the family. And now the next time they see me, I got haircut, wearing a suit. And I got a smile. And instead of saying, wow, that's awesome, they said, watch out. That sounds like a cult. That's how messed up our world is. If you're not cussing anymore, it must be a cult. If you've actually got a job now, it must be a cult. If you're actually wearing clean clothes and you're paying your taxes, watch out now, it might be a cult. I'm telling you something. Our world is so reprobate and so messed up. Somebody needs to be who you are every day and say, this is what God has for this world. Clap your hands and give God the part. My God, I feel it. It's coming on me right now. The power of this gospel is for every human being in this world. Nobody should have to go to hell. Nobody. And except you're born of water and spirit. That's why we're here. That's why we keep getting bigger buildings, because we believe that God's going to fill them. As soon as God fills this, we're already making plans to build the next one. You're like, Pastor, when are you ever going to stop? I ain't stopping. There's somebody on a bar stool today slamming a bottle down, saying, is there any reason why I should live another day? Yes, yes, yes. Come on. Somebody do something, anything. Wiggle your ears. Do something. Clap your hand. Say, God, give us revival. God, help us. Reach the destitute and the reprobate of our day and age. Hallelujah. I got more scriptures. I got more scriptures and we got time. You already know. I'm praying that you'll let Jesus win, that you'll let truth win. There's a reason why people come here. I looked out here a couple weeks ago. We were having what looked like a runaway service. We actually ended up preaching, but... It was, it was incredible worship service. God was, God was in the camp. God was amongst his people. It was a wonderful, it was a wonderful thing. And I saw people right over here. They had their cell phones out. They were just filming this. They were just filming it. They were just filming it. Because they'd never seen this before. They've never seen, how, how do people do this? Why, why, why would... Why would a man in a suit be jumping all over the place and then running, running around in circles, doing whirly birds? Isn't he too old for that? Isn't that guy too old for those whirly boots? It looks stupid. Why is he doing that? I ain't doing that for you. I'm not doing that for human beings. I'm doing that for a God that brought me out of the same world that's holding people back like iron bars that cannot get free. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got God. Yeah, I know, I know. Go ahead and praise him. No, nah, I don't feel like it. We love you. We love everybody. But the reality of it is, baptism is not a work. Baptism is obedience. And that's why in a world that has been given over to lawlessness does, want, does not want to have to obey anything. I don't want to have to listen to a boss. I don't want to have to listen to my parents. I don't want to have to listen to a real preacher. I don't want to, I don't want to have to 
do anything. I don't want to do anything I don't want to do. I don't want to have to say anything I don't want to say. I don't want to have to go anywhere. I don't. I don't. If you'll obey the gospel, I promise you, you will want to. You will want to. You will want to. You will want to. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands again all over this sanctuary today. To those of you that have been baptized in Jesus' name, let's praise him. doesn't mean we don't have problems. It doesn't mean we don't have things we got to work through. It doesn't mean. But what it does mean is you got a God. You have a Savior. You have a Redeemer. You have a Father. You have a Father. In the name of Jesus. God is reaching for some precious people here today. You know, not all moments are created equal. There are some moments that become defining moments in our lives that days, weeks, months, and perhaps even years will answer to one moment, one event, one situation. In this sanctuary today, I really believe that the Spirit of God, the Word of God, has brought forth a clear, understandable message. This is what I have to do. This is what it takes. Let's lift our hands all over this building today and just praise Him. Come on, let's lift our voices. I'm interpreting this moment as a defining moment. Some moments go the other direction, but this moment is to go another direction. By the authority of the name of Jesus. I'll tell you what we're doing. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's praise him. And while we're praising God, come on, Cornerstone. I want to open up this altar. Maybe there's somebody here that says, okay, 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 okay. I can see it clearly. Come on, lift your voice. Let's praise him. We're creating an environment right now. By the authority, this altar's open. Maybe you just want to come and pray. Maybe you just need to reconnect. Maybe you just need to gather your thoughts together. Maybe you just, this altar's open. Come on, let's come. Bring somebody with you. Maybe there's a visitor here today that says, you know what, I'm ready, Pastor. I'm ready to obey an ancient book that promises a future world. Come on, this altar's open. Wherever you are, whoever you are, come on. By the authority of the name of Jesus, come on, church, help me today. Come and help us. Come and find somebody to pray with. The name of Jesus is hard.